Good morning. How are you today? I'm glad you enjoy getting together. Clearly, we need to see each other more often. Okay. And for those of you who are gathering with us online, we want you to feel welcome as well. This is the day the Lord's made. You may not like clouds. You may not like rain. But everything we're going to get today, we need. We, some folks may not need as much as they've been getting. But on our Sunday school lesson, we were talking about practicing being thankful in everything at all times. Are you thankful today? So let's give thanks to the Lord. Let's pray. We have come into this place, O oh Lord, knowing you were here waiting on us. We don't invite you here because you're the one who invites us. So now, Lord, we calm ourselves and we wait patiently for these acts of worship that we will engage to show you, to demonstrate to ourselves how important this time with you is. Many of us have other things on our minds. We have things that need to be done. We have problems that are pressing on us. We pray for the ability, O oh Lord, to set them aside, to bracket them for this hour and rejoice in being with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our psalm for this day is Psalm 124. Would you stand and read it with me? We have it up. Yep. Well, I'll read it. You stand while I'm reading it. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when our enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like the bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. May God's word speak to us as we worship today. You're already standing, so please stay standing as we worship this morning. One, two, one, two, three, four.
You may be seated this morning. I may should have mentioned this before, but I'm Dwight Jackson. Pastor Nicole's not here. And she graciously asked me to um, be the relief pitcher for this inning. So don't worry, she'll be back next week and continue the summer series on neighboring. This morning we're going to look at, at Scripture, and before we pray, let's, let's look at it. And then I'll pose a question. This is from Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and the first half of verse 20. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, and to the birds of the air, and to every animal of the field. Now, I realize we're early in Genesis. When did Adam get language? You never asked that question, did you? And you're probably better off for it. But I have. And that's because language is such an interesting thing. Let's pray before we continue. Father, we come now, a community of believers and seekers. We come, Lord, to you this day with assurance that you are enough. That you are the creator who has invited us to participate in your ongoing creation. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear this day that responsibility and to see how we can be better partners with you than we are. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord blessed our children with a mother that has taught them patience. Because mostly they thought I was a drill sergeant. And that lowering up in my house, and it was mostly about language. I, I have always enjoyed trying to help my children become specific in their use of words to the point that it drove them to distraction. Now, when our daughter Sarah brings her kids over to stay with us, she will look at me and she doesn't even have to say a word. She just looks at me and the look is, Dad, don't you dare mess with my kids today. They're not in the right mood. So I guess we need to distinguish between communication and language, because you can communicate without having to say a word, can't you? 
But you know, I am so glad that that people are flexible in the in the use of language, and that and that however we've gotten it, that there have been some things added in that just make things work. I mean, there are phrases like "whatchamacallit," right? Do you know those oldie but good, goodie do fidget? Yes? Okay. Now, there are other phrases, uh, some that have dropped out of my vocabulary uh, because they're not Canadian in origin. Uh, my, Brenda's from Canada, and she's exerted a great deal of influence on many things. And one of the things that I no longer say is, what's his face? Evidently, it doesn't make sense in the North. I thought it made sense, or maybe it makes sense. She just didn't think it was polite. And out of deference and love, I quit using it very much, at least when she's around. <laughs> These catch-all terms, have, you know, they make it possible for us to communicate, maybe not very specifically, though. That wasn't good enough for God. God made all of the animals, and then he invited Adam to participate in the final step. Bringing order to creation required that Adam give names to everything. My father was very specific that I knew the names of the tools that he wanted when he wanted them. And I should not bring him channel locks when he wanted a wrench. That's the power of naming. Naming designates and brings order to things, and we use it. And, and have you watched children acquire? A newborn baby begins to communicate fairly soon. And so you're up in the middle of the night because of crying. Mothers learn to distinguish between I'm wet from I'm hungry crying. Right? And pretty soon they get a little bigger and dads get in on it because I could never distinguish those cries. I was always going through the steps and <clears throat> until I got it, got it right. What I did learn was to recognize that the first words that are verbal communication of that I could understand, a dad could understand, is when kids become Geiger counters. Because I'd be fixing breakfast, and I would start to pick up, up you know, the box of cereal or whatever it was that I was fixing for them, and it wasn't until I reached the right one that the, the you know, the, 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 that let me know that I was there. Anybody else have that? I mean, is that, was that just the strangest? Okay, thanks. But... By two and a half, kids are learning names. And what do those names mean? Order. Order is coming to their world. Structure. Now, I want us to understand clearly that naming is God's business. Because it isn't just giving terms and labels. Naming gives meaning and creates structure and order. So when, when God told Adam, I'm going to bring the animals to you and I want you to give them names, 
you need to realize the critical role that God was placing people with people in. And we're born into a world that's already ordered, and as our children, excuse me, as our children learn language, they learn order. They learn what things mean. And they learn that naming is about control. How do we control and organize our existence? And so you and I join Adam in this process, and we perpetuate it. And we listen to the words of others as they are giving order as well. It isn't a one-way street. It's a negotiation. Because just as you name, you're being named. Most of that's good. Not all of it. Have you ever said to one of your children, you've got Aunt Janet's hair, maybe it was Aunt somebody else, but you've got Aunt Janet's hair. Um, I mean, I, I always look like my mom's favorite brother. Um, you've heard somebody say, doesn't he look, walk like his dad? Hmm. Or you've got my temper and you're going to have to learn to control it like I have. Or you're such a bright boy. Isn't she a pretty little thing? Naming has the power to shape what is named. In ancient cultures, names were more than just labels. They, they created meaning. And in fact, one of the things that I had to learn in our years in Africa was that people changed their names. Their names changed because of specific events. Ladies, in this world of of, of your own identity and, and, and all those things, and I champion you. Brenda lost her name when we moved to Burundi. She became Mama Brian. Because our firstborn was named Brian. And that's how she was named. Names have meaning. And in various cultures, including our own, they shape us and they mold us and they, they free us up and they restrict us. And every grandparent hopes that their children will not give their grandchildren names that will embarrass them in school. Do you remember the story of David and Nabal? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but Nabal was a guy who rebuffed David. He didn't think too much of this upstart, and so he didn't give him the time of day. And his servants, the Nabal's servants, went to his wife, Abigail, and he informed them that her husband had been rude to this guy who may become king. So in Samuel 1, 25, 25, we read where Abigail goes to encounter David. 
my Lord, pay no attention to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. He's a fool. Nabal means fool. And folly goes with him. Nabal would end up dead. Naming may not be this direct for us, but it's just as powerful. I read a story of a young sailor who's getting ready to set out on an adventure around the world sailing, solo sailing of a boat that he had built himself. <clears throat> and the man who, who wrote this article says he was on the pier and he, he saw these people and he went over to where they were at and he began to listen in and all he heard from them was this. The sun is going to broil you. You won't have enough food. That boat of yours will not withstand one single storm. You're never going to make it. Well, Evan, it was too much for this man as he stood there. So as the, as the young sailor was setting out, you know, casting off the ropes and, and casting out, he started waving both hands wildly. <clears throat> and he's, he's, he started saying, boy, you're something. Bon voyage. We're with you. We're proud of you. Good luck, brother. He felt a deep desire to express a different set of things to name this voyage. I read that and I thought about how many times have we launched children? I'm still trying to launch them. Brenda and I have been actively parenting for 50 years in a row without, you don't have to feel sorry for us, just pray for us, but 50 years without respite. But what happens when a kid goes off to college and the messages, the names they've grown up with is, you're lazy. You're stupid. What names do we give our children? Not the label we call them by. But what are the names they wear? Then I had another thought. What is the name that I wear? What are the names that I wear? And where did I acquire them? What are the names that I wear that give me freedom? And what are the names that I wear that keep me from stepping out or, or cause me to turn aside and look for something I shouldn't? How did I get that name? But the better question is, how do I get rid of it? Naming. It can be positive, and it can be powerful. <laughs> Some of you know this part of our history. You remember when Mr. Bidwell moved the Cardinal, football Cardinals to Phoenix? Anybody mad about that? I'm still kind of put out. I'm not mad anymore, but it's still, 
doesn't seem right. But for, for a longer period of time than it seemed with other teams that moved, commentators on television continued to call them the St. Louis Cardinals. So I thought about that. I, mean, I think about strange things. And, and I thought, why, did, why has it taken them longer to, to transition to Phoenix? And it occurred to me, they hadn't changed the way they were playing. <laughs> they still played like the St. Louis Cardinals, so that was the first thing they thought of. But they finally got better. And they became the Phoenix Cardinals. There's hope. Even for the most apparently hopeless of situations. We do not have to live by the names that we have learned. If you and I are living with destructive consequences of names, we can be free. The same God who created the universe is willing to name us again. To give us a new name. The best story I know of about that in the Bible is Jacob. Jacob the grasper. Remember he came out of the womb holding his twin brother's heel, the grasper. And that became his name. And he lived up to it. He deceived his father, his brother, he conspired with his mother. He went away. Didn't have much better relationship with his in-laws. I mean, he was a mess. And then one day, he spent the night at this place called Bethel. There was no hotel, so he, he slept on a rock. And in the night, a ladder descended from heaven. And, 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 and Jacob wrestled with God. He encountered God at Bethel, and he, he wrestled with God. And the next morning, he had a limp, and he had a new name. You see, getting a new name isn't just that easily. It could very well require some effort on our part and some byproduct, like a limp. You have to determine if it's worth it being freed. Remember I said, isn't she a cute, you know, a cute little thing, and isn't he a smart boy? I was intentional about those, because they sound like they're really good, positive things to say, but why is it in our society that boys think they're smarter, girls don't think they're quite as smart? Because we name them that way. I've raised three daughters, and I've tried my best because I knew the world would name them that way to give them other messages. My daughters are smart. Their brothers are too, but the, I knew my sons would not have nearly as much trouble accepting that.
Jacob got a new name. What name do you need today to be changed? Jesus made it possible for you and I to be named again. To be named again. But there's always something that's working against that. There's an accusation that lingers in our head. The story of Job. Satan appeared before God. Satan means accuser, by the way. Satan's main role, it seems, in, in, in Scripture was to go before God and accuse us. We think of Satan as tempting us. or Satan, we, we can be tempted by plenty of things. Satan accuses us of God to discount our worth. And God would not hear it. You see... Jesus made it possible for us to be renamed. In John chapter 1, he said, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You and I are adopted. Because God made it possible for us to be adopted into his family. Adopted children usually get a new name of some kind, at least a new last name. Your father wants you to call upon him to deal with the names that you have received that are in limiting your ability to be his child fully. But first you have to know what they are. That's hard sometimes. Secondly, you have to be willing to accept that they, they the people have hurt you. Some on purpose and some by accident. And then you have to be willing to let God fix the damage, even if it makes you limp. So the question for us is, are we as courageous as Jacob the grasper? But I'd be remiss if I didn't speak to another point of this whole deal of labeling and bringing order. You may need healing from God, but you also may need forgiveness. How have you structured the world in an ungodly way by the names you use? Some years ago, I was on a task force with a a woman, and she was asking me questions about Africa. And, and, and she was quite enamored with, with the, the bartering and the, you know, the, the, the fact that there weren't prices on stuff in the market. And so I, when I used to take 
pride in my ability to barter. And so I was explaining to her that one day this man came to me with these, these items, and I was able to Jew him down to such and such a price. And she looked at me. She said, what? I said, well, I was able to... She's Jewish. No, here's, here's my... This is a, a confession, an example, but I want to tell you that I was 40 years old and it had never occurred to me once that this name that I had been given to structure my world was racial. Never occurred to me. Mostly because I'm not Jewish. I haven't used it since, except in situations like this, where I'm trying to help bring enlightenment to the rest of us. We have been misnamed, and we misname. We structure the world by the names that we give people and places and events and processes, and sometimes you and I need to repent of that. Or we're going to keep a world that is fractured and broken and unable to serve God. This morning we talked about sanctification in Sunday school. And if you weren't there, you missed a good, a, a good time. We talked about sanctification. Sanctification is becoming like God. If we don't learn how to use naming better, we can't be sanctified. And neither can our world. And Paul said, Jesus is redeeming the world to the intent of what God intended it to be. God will heal us. Remember, remember in, in 1 Corinthians 13, and the, at the end of this beautiful chapter on love, Paul says, now I see through a glass dimly, but then I shall know even as I am known. One of the things that keeps us from knowing is because we use the wrong names. I will know myself fully when I know the name God has given me. And I live up to it. And I live it every day. And I will know God's world when I apply to it the names that he has for it. God wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be kind. He wants us to be honest and lovable. He wants us to be a beloved child. That's your name. Beloved child. But what name do you hear? What names have pushed it aside? You see, God has entrusted us to be his agents to name the world. We need to do so responsibly. We need to do so lovingly. And we need to do so forcefully. Yep. 
you and I are subcontractors. God subcontracted this out to us. It's creation. You see, if we go back to Genesis again, what happened on, on, the sixth, on the seventh day? God had created in six days, and on the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. It didn't mean he stopped. It doesn't say that God stopped creating. It says he rested. The world is continuing to be created, and for whatever reason, he invited us to be a part of it, a part of that process of creation. It's your responsibility as a subcontractor. You don't want to get fired, do you? Well, if we don't do it, we may at least be sidelined. So today, I invite you to consider names. Consider that the business of naming is God's. That God wants you to recognize and live the proper name he has given you. And then he wants you to name the world properly so that it can be the place he created it to be. That's our job. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, in this time, may the things the Spirit has said to us remain. May the things the Spirit has used to prick our consciousness, our conscience, and our heart remain. Lord, may each of us in this room, as we sing the song, respond to what the Spirit is saying in our lives. But Lord, before we close, I want to thank you for inviting us into your work and trusting us with this responsibility. And Lord, forgive us for our failures and help us to do a better job. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing. We'll stand when we sing. This altar is open. If you need to pray, if you need to make a decision or consider something where you're at, do that. But listen to what the Spirit says to you at this time.
As I said earlier, ter- earlier, um, Pastor Nicole wants me to remind you that the art of neighboring continues next week. 